You're listening to sermon audio from King's Cross Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. For more information about King's Cross Church, you can visit us online at kingscrossraleigh.com. Yeah, so we are in Hebrews today, especially for this first, and can I just say, I'm thankful that we get the opportunity on this very first year to come together <coughs> together. Thankful for all the faces here today. Um, even if I've been kind of like trying to get stuff done, I said hello to everybody. I'll catch up with you. Or if you have to meet you on Unpack, maybe something to talk about. Yeah. Um, so, New Year's isn't necessarily something of, that I'm aware of as a Christian in the world, but it is a cultural phenomenon. People want to make resolutions. They want to think through uh, this new, fresh opportunity. It's like wiping the slate clean, looking at the next year. I, I've seen many people just thankful 2022 is over. I guess it was a rough one. Um, I saw one where there was a guy staring ahead, and it was 2019, and he closed his eyes and went black, opened up, it's 2023. Apparently, he wanted to forget everything from 2019 to 2023. Um, for anybody who may be aware, I'm a fan of The Office. There's a character in there who's named Nate. He's probably, probably one of my low-key favorite characters because he brings in the brilliant, humorous, just look up the best of Nate, okay, I'm just saying. Um, there's one particular scene, this is, I do too much explanation for this, but anyway, sorry, going too far. Basically, he's saying, I, I, I haven't met 23 yet, but I'm excited about it, knowing 2022, I'm looking forward to 2023. So, this is a new opportunity and a new, a, new, uh, a new year. So for us to start that out, I wanted to take a break from where we were, also understanding by a lot of folks out of town. Uh, a lot of folks may not be with us, smaller group, different setting. Next week, wasn't mentioned, we're gonna be in uh, Method again, that's the plan. Uh, so we'll be back in our regular spot for now. Um, and, and we'll start up that series that Aaron spoke to. But for this one, I wanted to take an opportunity to look at Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3 specifically. And broadly speaking, because if you look at the book of Hebrews, um, there is a theme running through in which these, this author, I'm going to say the term author here, because in all honesty, the person who uh, penned Hebrews is not nailed down precisely. Okay, many people might attribute it to Paul. Maybe you'll hear me accidentally say that every once in a while. There's some who would say that he, he wrote this. Maybe it was a sermon he did. Um, uh, it is, has a histor- historically been found to be very fruitful for the church and a part of the canon. And so we can look at this text because the, the, the message of Hebrews is speaking to specifically the Hebrew people. Um, but a big portion of this passage has to do with endurance. Matter of fact, the theme of these three verses, if you will, is something of an introduction or a, a, a reaffirmation of the need for the believer to endure in faith. All three of these verses have that term in it. Endurance, endurance, endurance. That, that let you endure just as Jesus endured and look how he endured. And so the reason I wanted to rest here just today and only for a moment, really, uh, this may take a little bit different shape. I'm going to reflect on a through on three separate real encouragements I feel from the text. It's because if you're like me, if you're someone who is pursuing Christ, you're wanting to be obedient day after day, you want to live this life in this world, you're in the midst of a world that is not 
perfect and holy and sanctified and not the way that it's not all set up just to make your life nice and neat and comfortable. Am I right? And so now you have a situation where if you want to be faithful to Christ and obedient to the Father who leads you, you have to endure. You have to endure. And let's be real. Sometimes the problems that we walk through are our own making. I've created most of my, some of my own drama. Have you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I made some of my own drama. But at the same time, at the same time, uh, there are often many things, whether just culturally, in the news, in our own families, we spend a lot of time with them over the holidays, whatever reason there might be, there's a period in our life, or maybe potentially a season of your life, that you have to really lean in and trust if you are going to be faithful and walk and pursue. And as Paul uses in this example, the way the illustration uses, to run the race. He talks about the Christian life as a race. And so if we're going to have that kind of perseverance and endurance this morning or this evening, again, I messed it up there. I'm going to pray that the Spirit be with us, and we're going to look here and see what this reminder is in Hebrews in this book and this letter to us about endurance. So pray with me. Father, thank you for your kindness. Thank you for the way that you do give us your word faithfully and that you demonstrate for us in Christ the kind of endurance that we can have as his children, as your children. Father, give us a confidence this morning, this evening, to trust in you, to uh, a wisdom that only comes from the Spirit in us, and a clarity as he teaches and guides us. And we ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. So in this particular passage, as was already read, uh, the author here in Hebrews is telling you and I about running a race with endurance. But he starts this very beginning of this in verse 1 in this way. He says, therefore, since we have also such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us. So it's therefore, this is as I've heard some people say this. Maybe I see smiles, maybe heard this. Uh, people who are reading the text, if you see a therefore, then I want to know what it's there for. Okay, And the truth is because he's talking in reference to something before. And in this particular case, in Hebrews, he's talking about those faithful that have come before you. He's speaking about a long list. He references Abraham. He references Enoch. He references Isaac. He references stories in Scripture and says something to the Hebrews who would understand that. And for you and I, who maybe are familiar with our Sunday School Bible study stories, that you would say these people demonstrated faith in some particular way that's recorded for us in Scripture. And so he says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us. So first and foremost, as an encouragement for you, as you endeavor to run with endurance, I encourage you to follow the many faithful before you. Follow after those many faithful that have come before you. And what I mean by this is, first in the text of Scripture, there are many listed here that are spoken of, and you can read their stories and identify the ways in which they demonstrated faith in really tough circumstances. Challenging times. Abraham <laughs> literally lifts up his family and goes off after God as he leads him into nowhere. He doesn't know where, just trusting him. Willing to sacrifice Isaac because God asked him to. And we see the demonstration of faith throughout the text of Scripture. But then there's an interesting finish to chapter 11 where it says after the end of this, and what more can I say? Time is too short. And I'm reading in verse 32. 
to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the um, prophets, who by faith conquered kingdoms, and ministered justice, ordained promises, shut the mouths of lions. And he talks about these very quickly, these people who have done this. And then continues on in 34, they quenched the raging of fire, escaping the edge of the sword, gained strength and weakness, because mighty uh, became mighty in battle and put foreign armies to flight. Women received their dead raised to life again. Other people were tortured, not accepting release, so that they might gain a better resurrection. Others experienced mockings and scourgings, as well as bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. They died by the sword. They wandered about in sheepskin and goatskin, destitute, afflicted, and mistreated. And he's talking about things that have happened to people, but he's not putting any names to any of these. And he goes to this verse, 38, the world was not worthy of them. Their name wasn't even listed here, but he's saying there were so many more faithful that followed after Christ and suffered in so many different ways, yet they did it without failing, and the world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and on mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. So here's my encouragement to you. Look to these stories of scripture here, but as well, look to those faithful that you've seen God working in even today. Look even to those faithful that you've seen God working in in our history and our time. For the last hundred years, the last 500 years, we've got autobiographies and stories of men and women who have gone to the sword, who have faced any form of, of, of stress and, and suffering, yet they did it and they endured and they did it faithfully. And they did it because they all remembered and were reminded, as you should be in this text, about the faithfulness of our God. That's an encouragement for us, that we have the church to lean on one another. That's a gift that the Lord would give us. That he would say, as family, as my family, I give you so many witnesses. As Paul describes it, a cloud of witnesses. This is actually a familiar phrase in Greek, uh, in the Greek-speaking world. Uh, Homer uses this when he talks a cloud of men. It's a description of this great surrounding of people. And so he says, we're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. And the evidence of this is that they have demonstrated faith so that we can look on them and encourage ourselves. Be encouraged ourselves. In some ways, as you talk about running the race, it might be someone who thinks that there's so, such overwhelming odds to break a barrier to run a race. But you can look at those before you have done the same and be encouraged that you too can follow after that same Christ. You too can run that race. Not because of any strength in you, but because we all follow after the same God who strengthens us. And so look at the faithfulness demonstrated in lives of people around you, that cloud of witnesses. And then the second encouragement from this text, the second encouragement is this, cast off dead weight. I'll be as blunt as I can with that one. Just cast off dead weight. Why? Why do I say that? Well, if we're going to look at the witnesses around us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that lies before us. So now, here's the imagery that Paul is speaking towards. So you can grasp this. And then I'm going to go something a little more modern. Okay? Uh, Greek runners ran naked. Why? <laughs> all, this, all the hindrances, gone. <laughs> You're just free in the wind. All right? They showed up with regalia, especially the popular ones. It's actually kind of interesting if you study, look at this kind of stuff. I mean, it's not much different from our modern sport athletes. They were pretty popular. They got sponsorships, 
all kinds of crazy stuff. So these athletes, athletes would show up. They were famous. They were well-known. This dude's going to run a race. He's got on these fancy robes. He's got on whatever headdress. I don't know what he's wearing. But right before the race starts, he drops it off. Okay? Why? He wants to go faster. He doesn't have anything slowing him down. If I don't have to carry extra weight, you know, like a pair of pants, why would I? So for us, maybe a good example would be swimmers. For many years, swimmers would, would shave their legs or all body hair from those part or wear the head cap, even all the guys, right? I thought that was just hilarious as like a you know, preteen boy. I'm like, ha, they, they shave? You know, snicker. <laughs> but, but it's helpful as an athlete. And, and, and even in more modern, we'll see cases where they put on full more body suits, not wearing, you know, just little swimsuits. They got on the legs covering everything, tighten and streamlining themselves. So why? They can go faster. So in this case, Paul's speaking to that very thing. He's saying, as you're running this race, why would you have any dead weight on you? Why would you be distracted by anything that would hinder this race? If you're going to run and endure after Christ, if you're going to follow in his path, then why would we allow for anything to distract, to set us aside? And in this case, there's a question about what he's saying, whether he's saying just general hindrances at all, and then also the sin that easily ensnares us. But the truth, is, uh, the truth is, there's a sense in which he's, he's just lumping it together and just broadly. He's not speaking about any specific sin because he wants this to apply to everybody. You may have something and likely have something that ensnares you and hinders you far different from me. Far different from Aaron. Far different from Ezekiel. You, you are going to have something in your life that's different. That is a hindrance for you in your walk. And only you are going to be the one that if you honestly, as Peter encourages us, work out our salvation with fear and trembling, we'll be able to honestly say, that's what I need to set aside. When you wake up in the morning and you have the desire to follow after Christ, what is that thing that most likely deters you? What is the thing that would like, be similar to putting ankle weights on a runner? In this case, the encouragement from Hebrews is set aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares. It's, it's referring to something that would wrap around you. Who is a runner who would want to have something just wrapped around them? But rather, cast off that dead weight. In this new year, 2023, in every year and every day as you wake up, my prayer for you is that you would consider what is it that's hindering my walk? What is it that's a distraction? What is it that's ensnaring me? And how can I, as God has, Rachel prayed with us, as God has given us a community, lean in to this group of faithful to help shed that weight and cast it off so that we can run the race more fully. And to run the race with endurance, the race that lies before us, the phrase he uses there is a set race. You know, the goal that's put in place here when this is written together, it's the reference that this is a long distance race. It's not a race that's a short sprint. Most often, if you're not familiar at this period of time, it wouldn't have been a marathon, but it would have been about a three-mile race probably roughly. Same time, three miles. If you're me, that's... I need Jesus. <laughs> so it's a long distance. Maybe not for you, but for me, long distance. 
And the goal here that he never mentions is never to overtake somebody, to never beat somebody, to never conquer someone else. Instead, it's completion. He's looking at you and saying, cast aside the weight and complete the race. Complete it. And matter of fact, at the end of this phrase, it says the race that lies before you. It's a very familiar phrase that would have described a race that was a course determined by the master of the games. As we trust in God, he's the master of the games. And for each of you in here, he has set a course. And to run that course, to run that race, free of the hindrance and the dead weight, is to run after Christ more faithfully. To not, to not allow those things to trip us up because that's not what we're here for. We're here to complete the race in which we run. And, and I may I just not make this more, like keep this from being too abstract, but to say the race that God set us in here to be his image bearers in this world, to display his glory to the world and do it with endurance. Not to be stumbled and snared, not to be hung up on any kind of pet sin or problem or issue or side thing. All of those things can be shed as we run the race in front of us with endurance and trust in Christ. And I will tell you, as you shed that dead weight, the most positive way you can do that is in the next phrase in this final encouragement. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Now, there's a sense in which that can sound somewhat trite. I mean, if it's, it can sound like a coffee cup encouragement, if I, if I might say, right? Hey, keep your eyes on Jesus, buddy. Right? And for those who are going through some serious suffering, and I'm like, you know how you endure? Just keep your eyes on Jesus, bro. Okay? It doesn't feel, maybe in that phrase, like really the solution you need. But in this particular situation, as we're talking about a race, Paul is in fact talking about essentially keeping our eyes on the prize. To look forward, never deviating, but focusing on and keeping our eyes focused in a way that holds up as the good and greatest thing we could chase after, Jesus. And it's striking because he only calls him Jesus, not Christ, our Savior, nothing else, almost, almost to lift up and accentuate his humanity, Jesus. He says this, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, it's an interesting phrase, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. But it's a very interesting phrase because usually the person who starts something is not always the person that perfects it. And in this case, the message is that Jesus is the total package. He is the author and the beginner of our faith, meaning that he is the pioneer in the way that he has carved the road, if you will. He has demonstrated in his person what it means to faithfully follow after God. He's pioneered it. But not only that, but he has perfected it as the final solution, the completion. At the end of chapter 11, all those people who were faithful, they didn't quite come to a culmination. In fact, it says this, all these were approved through their faith, but... <clears throat> They did not receive what was promised, not yet, since God had provided something better for us so that they would not be made perfect without us. Meaning that as the fullness of time comes, as all of us who are in the church come together, Jesus is the one that perfects our faith. He's the one that even as we stumble, as we fall, and by the way, 
I'm not expecting anybody in here in this particular race to just be like dead set, sprint, clean, going. I would be awesome if you were, but most likely you're falling. We just came from an ice skating rink and like barely anybody stayed off their face. Okay. I mean, it's almost like we're running a race on ice, to be honest with you. We're probably slipping. We're probably falling. I'm going to be the guy that has the blue thing, you know, for kids, toddlers. But in this case, for us to keep our eyes on Jesus, he is the one that both is the founder, the pioneer, the one who initiates and demonstrates for us what it is to follow after Christ, but he also perfects it. And why did he do it? For the joy that lay before him. There, there's questions that are raised about this. I think the most clear thing is this, that Paul says, the joy that lays before Christ is the prize that he saw in the joy of God bringing his people home. For us, the prize before us is to see Christ as our perfecter of our faith that has brought God's people home and that we rest in him. So for the joy that he saw, what did he do? He endured the cross. He despised the shame. And this is wonderful, if you will. When you get done and complete with a task, this is what, this is what the Hebrews tells us. He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The work was finished. There's no reason to be standing. He sat down. And he's still there. Right? The right hand of the throne of God. It's kind of an aside here, but it's what's remarkable about the Stephen story. That very specifically when Stephen is being stoned in Acts, he looks up and it says he sees Jesus standing beside the Father. Because when he completed his work, he sat down, I'm done. There's nothing left to be done. Hebrews references this later. He says that the, the high priest goes day after day after day making sacrifices in the, in, in the temple. But Jesus said no more sacrifices and sat down because the work's done. But when Stephen was being stoned, he stood up because he saw his beloved being hurt and abused. And he was rooting for him. And there's no better picture that as you run that race, that same Savior stands for you. He intercedes for you. He's by the right hand of the Father, and he has completed the work, and he is in the throne room waiting for you. Because he is the prize that we keep our eyes on. And why in, the verse, in verse 3 do we finally see the culmination of all these things which we endure? It says, for this we need to consider Christ. Why? Consider him who did what? He endured such hostility from sinners against himself. Yet, you need to consider him. Why? So that you won't grow weary and give up. That's why we consider him. That's why we look to him. That's why we race after him. That's why he is the forefront of our minds and our hearts. When you keep your eyes on Jesus, you are thinking about that one who has gone before you and has laid the groundwork for demonstrating faith in the Father so that what you and I won't grow weary and give up. If you're one who makes New Year's resolutions, I would encourage you to do this. That you keep your eyes on Jesus. Because in some ways, these three encouragements all rest on that. And, 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 and to remember what he did, as this author tells us, he endured the cross. He despised the shame. Why? For the joy that lay before him that we might consider him who endured all these hostilities for us so that we won't grow weary and give up. Will you pray? Father, thank you for your kindness in Christ.
Thank you that you demonstrate your love for us in him. Father, thank you that you have set before us the pioneer, the author and perfecter of our faith in Jesus. That we as your children can see his life and we can know you more clearly. Lord, give us the encouragement of seeing the faithful around us. That we follow after them as they've run after you. Father, give us the the courage to cast off all those things that hinder us, the sin that sets us aside and and ensnares us. God, give us the boldness and the strength and, Lord, the humility to surround ourselves with other runners who love and know you, who can pray for us, can be with us, can encourage us, Lord, to cast aside all that sin. And, Father, Ultimately, keep our eyes on Jesus. We ask all this in his name.